Over the last several years, the Black Lives Matter movement has become a powerful part of our collective cultural zeitgeist. As a result, the field of public health has been challenged to face some of its own systemic racism. One of those long overlooked issues is the maternal mortality rate for Black women. Black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy and birthing-related complications than any other ethnic or racial group in the United States. According to the data, this inequity in the delivery room happens regardless of socioeconomic status, education, or even celebrity status. Today, we're talking to Joyce Abeng, MPH, about how this has happened, what's being done to solve it, and what we can do on a grassroots level to help make changes for the better. Joyce Abeng holds a master's in public health administration and policy from the University of Nevada, Reno, where we met. And she and I got along so well that we co-founded the Nevada Master Society of Public Health Club. And she served as the president of that. So no big deal. Joyce is awesome, but I mean, you are too. You were the vice president of that club, correct? I mean, yeah, if we want to talk about me, we can. I served as one of the co-vice presidents. So you could say that I was her Kamala. A special shout out to Hailey Dobbs, who was the other co-founder and co-vice president too. I want to make sure that we acknowledge her and her efforts as well. Love you, Hailey. Currently, Joyce works as a public health diversity advisor for the Larson Institute within the Nevada Public Health Training Center. Previously, she worked with the Nevada Division of Public and Behavioral Health in the Maternal, Child, and Adolescent Health section. I'm really excited for us to chat with her and dig a little bit deeper into her thoughts on dismantling systemic racism in the westernized birthing system. We will be discussing some heavy subject matter regarding this area, which is steeped in a history of racism and sexism. In this episode, we only have time to scrape merely the surface of these issues, so we encourage you all to absorb as much as you can and consider what we discuss, as well as doing some additional digging on your own. Let's tune in. So Joyce and I will always be a dynamic duo ever since meeting each other way back in grad school, two years ago, a year ago, feels like five years ago, but naturally we wanted to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here today. This is a conversation that's super important and this is one of my passionate topics. Definitely. And I mean, since the first time we met, you had mentioned to me this passion of yours and how it is really near and dear to you, specifically Black maternal health. And it honestly opened up my eyes too to the real roots of this issue because it seems like in public health undergraduate courses, you're never formally taught the reasons why we have so many issues and health-related issues such as Black maternal mortality. So in some of the conversations in the few of my public health courses where I learned about Black maternal mortality, it seemed like we just talked about the alarming statistics, but we didn't really talk about the reasons behind it. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge missing piece. Can you tell us a little bit about how the conversation surrounding maternal mortality rates for Black women has changed over the years and really why we are talking more about this now than ever before? Sure. I think there's a combination of multiple factors and why it's being talked about more and more. Um, I think it's, first of all, important to look at the statistics. Data shows us that things are really not improving. In fact, the U.S. mortality rate over the past 30 years has been on the rise. 
For example, in 1987, the pregnancy-related mortality rate was 7.2 per 100,000 live births. And as of 2017, the pregnancy-related mortality rate was 17.3 per 100,000 live births. Those numbers are an average across all races. So all of this is showing us that it's actually more than doubled. But if we are to break down the numbers by race, the situation for Black women is even more bleak. Black women have a maternal mortality rate of 41.7 per 100,000 live births, while white women have a maternal mortality rate of 13.4 per 100,000 live births. So, Joyce, that means that Black women are almost three times more likely to die during childbirth than their white counterparts. Is, am I getting that correct? That's exactly right. Many people are also very surprised to learn that this problem affects a wide range of Black people from all backgrounds. It's impacting everyone from people who are uninsured to professionals with resources working in public health, like the death of Shanice Wallace, a Black woman who was a fourth-year pediatric chief resident, or the death of Shalyn Irving, a Black woman who held a PhD and was an epidemiologist for the CDC. We also hear about celebrity birthing stories like Serena Williams and Beyonce, who, even with all of the resources they have, still had to advocate for themselves during their own pregnancy and birthing experience. I think the impact and influence of social media, as well as the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, have shed a light and begin opening up conversations about all those issues which are impacting Black people in general, but more specifically, Black mothers. I I mean, just wow, honestly, to all of that. And going back to what you said about how it has more than doubled, and now we are talking more about it, it just is crazy to me that it's taken this long and that many lives were lost because of it. So Joyce, as a woman of color where these disparities could impact you, how do you honestly feel about giving birth in an American hospital? So the prospect of giving birth in an American hospital for me is actually pretty terrifying. Um, I've done some personal as well as professional research on birthing centers and the benefits of doula services. And, And if I'm going to be very honest, it's scary knowing that I am within that demographic and I could be potentially a statistic. Um, So it's very, very scary. Yeah, which is just awful. I mean, no one should have to feel that way just because you want to bring a child or start a family in this world. And I even remember too, as I was going through my pregnancy and we would connect throughout and I would tell you about how excited and empowered I was to give birth. And you had shared your fears with me beforehand too. But that was definitely an eye-opening experience of, recognizing my privilege in that sense and not having to worry about being a statistic and that potential risk of giving birth. It's just not okay, especially with how much money we put into our healthcare system, how advanced our medical system is supposedly. It is not okay. Exactly. Yeah. And I agree. Um, I don't know if for sure off the top of my head, I'll fact check this, but I think that The United States is the leading, um, I'm sorry, has the highest mortality death rate for the wealthiest countries in the world. And that is, I mean, 
what what are we doing what are we doing or better what are we not doing I think is a really good question but that's just a thought that all through the conversation so far I've had like how how can this honestly be and Joyce I just want to reiterate our gratitude for you being here and being willing to share not only the facts but more personal anecdotes about this so can you talk more about why this is a problem and what is really playing the biggest roles here yeah so when you look at things um one of the reasons is that patients are not being listened to when they visit their doctors Mm -hmm. Um, there are actual studies that have examined physician and patient communication and those studies have pointed to the fact that some physicians hold biases and have attitudes about who and what their patients are and those have resulted in poor health outcomes for those patients. In addition to patient and physician communication, there are other social determinants of health which are also causing this problem. I'm not sure if you guys have heard these two related terms, weathering and allostatic load. I've heard of the term weathering. Allostatic load, I I don't think I have. I have not either. Does this mean that I wasn't paying attention in grad school? <laughs> this is actually a test. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well, I would love to explain more what those two terms are because it's really what's happening um, with this. So allostatic load refers to the cumulative burden of chronic stress in life events. And weathering proposes that an individual's exposure to repeated or chronic stress over their lifetime has physiological consequences. So, in other words, these terms are used to describe the effect of an individual's constant exposure to chronic stress over that person's lifetime. And when we look at U.S. policies like redlining, the exclusionary zoning laws, school-to-prison pipelines, the continued acts of violence against Black people by cops, which, by the way, I would like to point out, did not just start a few years ago. Mm-hmm. The medical experimentation on Black bodies, like the Tuskegee study, or the fact that the first cesarean operation was performed on unsedated Black enslaved women who did not consent, Ugh. are all consistent reminders that often, as a Black person, you live in a society that undervalues you as a human being. And this eventually can take a toll on your overall health and well-being. Um, This is a result of weathering and allostatic load. For women, for me, by the time that we reach our childbearing age, all of these trick factors that have accumulated over time can start taking a major toll on your body, which is at least partially resulting in what we're seeing today with Black mortality rates. That makes me sick. And I feel, I feel like those are such huge factors and impacting laws, events, all of this stuff. And I hope that everyone listening can kind of gather like the magnitude of all of those things that are causing that weathering um, and how unnecessary they are. And just to take it a step further to clarify, it's like all of these psychological stresses create a physical manifestation in the body, which can ultimately lead to death. And I think this is why it's so important for us to continue having conversations about and paying attention to the way that we externalize our biases. 
Do you have a story about yourself or someone close to you that is an example of discrimination you faced in a medical setting at all? Sure, I can actually share a little personal anecdote. This did not happen too long ago, but visiting my gynecologist and experiencing stereotypes. And it wasn't until after I had made it known that I was a public health professional um, interested in maternal and child health that my interaction with that particular physician actually improved. And so this is the problem that I have, um, or one of the problems that I have with this is that I shouldn't have to disclose my education level or what I have attained in order to have my concerns met. I think everyone, despite of their socioeconomic status, should be able to get adequate health care and health treatment. That is so frustrating. And my body tensed up when you said it was at the gynecologist. Like, these are already probably our least favorite appointments to go to, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but so important to have. And you are totally right. You should not have to justify why you're advocating for yourself or saying, I feel like this is kind of what's going on. You should not be dismissed for saying that. And it sounds like that's exactly what you had to do. You had to justify your knowledge, your knowledge about your body by backing it up with the fact that you have an education in the health field, which is not something anyone should have to do and happens often. And especially it happens more often if you are a person of color. And this is exactly what systemic racism is for people who are a little unsure of what it looks like, you should be able to walk into a doctor's office and the doctor should say, okay, tell me about your body. What's going on? And listen to you. Right. Yikes. Right. That's absolutely right. You are right on, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so frustrating. And and now that I'm sure we're all just super frustrated the more we talk about this. (laughs) I mean, am I right? We're we're a little wrapped up. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Let's channel that frustration and talk about what we, Kara and I, and then all of our listeners can do to improve the treatment of people and women of color. Joyce, can you share with us any current policies in place that are addressing this issue of Black maternal mortality? Yes. So there are several policies, both at the federal and the state level, that have been introduced. Um, Some have actually passed, and these are trying to address the multiple issues within the maternal health disparity statistics that we are seeing. You know, if you haven't heard yet, in Nevada, where I currently live, Bill AB 256 was passed last year, and this bill provides Medicaid coverage for doula services. And just a little bit more background, I know that previously you have discussed doulas, but Mm -hmm. I just wanted to remind the audience Doulas provide non-medical recommendations as well as advice, emotional, physical, and family support, and can sometimes work as advocates during pregnancy, birth, and the postpartum period. So we're seeing a shift. We're seeing more conversations. We're seeing things happening, but um, we will have to see if all those things will actually improve the health outcome for maternal health in this country. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Joyce, for refreshing us on what doulas are, because for those of you that haven't checked out that episode, we actually already have that release. So definitely check it out. 
But going back to the bill that you mentioned, this bill is extremely exciting for me personally because, again, as we had in an episode, I used a doula during my birth process and would recommend it to anyone and everyone out there who plans on giving birth. Just because it was such an incredible experience. And like you highlighted to a lot of the non-medical recommendations, advice, support. And even as you shared your experience at an OBGYN, if someone were to talk to you like that, which should not happen, that is another issue that needs to be resolved. Mm -hmm. A doula can step in. They can be that advocate for you, like you said. But I think we can both agree too that doulas in general are underrecognized and underutilized in the birthing process. And really it's mainly because they can be expensive when you're paying for them out of pocket. Mm. And there's not bills like this that um, were put in place like in Nevada where it's covered by insurance. So it's almost seen as a luxury. Right. Especially for people at risk of high mortality rates in a typical American hospital setting, the data explicitly shows us that doulas help decrease mortality rates. And so, yes, I think it's time that we start expanding the way we think about how we give birth and what that process should look like Because the way we've been operating over the last several generations is quite literally killing people. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it is our job and our responsibility as people trained in public health to lead these discussions on how we can make that change. And as a start, it seems as though we're seeing now more than ever more medical and health professionals being required to participate in different diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings that we did in grad school, Joyce, and we try to put that on the forefront for people to get exposure to that, which is an excellent start, right? Hopefully we change some minds or open minds up there because we are moving forward. But how much is this really moving the needle in a non-superficial way? Where's the, where's the follow-through? Right. And the thing about Kara and Joyce, you being students and pushing this work forward is so critical and so amazing that you were able to do that during your time. But I want to take it a step further and put it back on the institutions that are teaching people. Let's talk about that. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> I'm going to open this can of worms because... um I think it's really important to kind of say, like, thank you for taking the responsibility because it's so important. But also, it really is on the school to kind of think about these things and think about how we can ingrain them in the culture of our classes, in in our curriculum. curriculum. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the freaking curriculum. You write that shit. (laughs) Like, you get to decide. But, like, I'm just thinking back on my time at the University of Minnesota in my program, and there were so many things when it came to health equity and reducing disparities. And so many times my cohort did things to drive change and write letters and do all these things to advocate for better. And in the end, it was like, why are we doing all of this extra work on top of our full-time school, jobs outside of school, our internship? So I just want to say, keep advocating on a personal level in these systems, but also, you know, hold them accountable for their their Mm -hmm. part in this. That's a really, really good point. It's great to have conversations, but what's next? It's actually put policies into place that will make, that will bring about those changes. And I'm glad that you mentioned our efforts, even as students of, you know, our MPH program, how we try to be the voice of change. And so that's a great step. Mm -hmm. But here are some ways that we can further do the work. 
we need to start embracing more and more knowledge and respecting diversity. That's very, very critical. Mm-hmm. Increasing the participation of doulas of diverse backgrounds, increasing the diversification of the workforce in general. And we all know of stories or people who are hired as the one person to meet that quota, but that's really not enough. Um, We need to really look at how professionals in this field need to be representative of all demographics, offering culturally relevant support, training for physicians, and those trainings should focus on the actual decision-making of those physicians and how that ultimately impacts the health outcomes of their patients. Because again, we know and we understand after this conversation that physician and patient interaction is sort of critical when it comes to these outcomes. Um, Expanding programs focused on maternal health equity as well as advocacy that are on behalf of Black women would also be a forward step to resolving part Mm -hmm. of this problem, at least. And looking at expanding quality processes, which measure the maternal and child health data. Yeah. Another thing that I've learned not too long ago is that in a lot of states, the certification of midwives and doulas is not always very robust. And so looking at how to improve that because the support of midwives and doulas leads to positive health outcomes for birthing mothers. Yes, yes, yes. All of that. <laughs> I just got to throw some snaps in there. You're a health professional. Take notes. These are the things that you can be doing. I'm going to give snaps for that too. So to kind of water all of that down, Joyce, what you're saying is that we're sort of taking a surface approach to addressing the problem right now, and that's not what is going to change the statistics and the human health outcomes behind all of this, right? Exactly. The thing that is going to create a change is the commitment of medical schools, of public health schools, of schools in general, the institutions of education, to talk about Black women's bodies without discrimination, knowing that they do not feel less pain and debunking other asinine stereotypes. It's also going to be the commitment of health systems to training and hiring women and people of color to be doulas or other professionals that can help in the birthing and pregnancy process, potentially without them needing a four-year degree, which can reduce the very real barriers to education. So potentially like having a certification program for people right out of high school, that could get people right into the workforce. And finally, at the individual level, having these conversations and making it known that this problem is extremely, extremely painful for our world, but also knowing that it is a problem that does have very real solutions. Yes. And stop blaming the victims and putting it all on the individual to take initiative. Yes, you can have these conversations if you don't feel like it's out of your comfort zone, that it is in alignment with how you are and your capacity for talking about those situations, especially if you have been a victim to them. Definitely share that and open up the dialogue. But then for other people, be that advocate Mm -hmm. for them. Joyce, we are so happy that we got to chat with you about this topic. You have so much knowledge and wisdom, and we just thank you for continuing to fight this problem through your career and letting our listeners know that they can do the same and join you and join us. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I really enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, let's continue to fight for for, for everyone, for women, for, for people in general. 
This has been such a deep conversation and I hope this leads to you wanting to dive a little bit deeper. So to do that, you can check out our show notes for more resources that really expand on this problem. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe to Tuning In From Within on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Once again, my name is Kara Solomsas. And I am Kelly Hurt, and our fabulous producer is Jernai Aniwar. And this episode is also brought to you in part by Biointegrative Health Center International, which is a Reno-based health practice. Their approach combines Eastern and Western medical treatments, and their practitioners are ready to help you become the best version of yourself. Thanks for tuning in. Tuning out for now. now.